Keep your head down and get it done. There's too much of a tendency today to self-promote, to push and ask for the constant you know, next level. And I think you have to, there's a mix of make it happen and let it happen. Once you get to a level two manager, your career after that kind of organically plays out. Uh -huh. But for me, it's from individual contributor to first level manager. There's a big gate there. Sure. And then between first and second level, those are the two big hurdles. And then you've got to round yourself out. And I do think you have to learn how to balance strategy and execution all the time. I see that even today at the C-suite, internally at our company at other places. Sometimes executives, even at the highest levels, they have a very difficult time balancing execution and strategy. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is episode 117 of 14 Minutes of SaaS, the final installment of a three-episode chat with Ted Kranz, CEO of App Annie. This kicks off with some fascinating insights into the thinking behind App Annie's brand metamorphosis, embodied by a completely altered logo. And as is traditional for 14 Minutes of SaaS, we'll receive some great advice from our guest. This time, it's more career advice for those who want to get into the C-suite in established tech companies, as opposed to our usual advice for SaaS founders. So I have to ask you, what's with the new diamond logo? Because you have a diamond, diamond logo. Don't call it a diamond, Stephen. I'm oh, okay, it. forgive me. Okay, so, okay, so that's, that's just me looking at it. But the new logo, with, uh, and it looks like kind of sci-fi, actually really clean, strong, uppercase logo. It could not be more, it's like a statement of saying we have changed because what was there for all those years was the friendliest of handwriting. Yeah. And suddenly I see yeah. something with tight angles, sharp, clean, and I see very, very clean, professional looking, uppercase uh, font. What are you trying to transmit to the world? You have with a that good change? eye. You know, many do. different things. So one, who writes by hand anymore, right? Uh, Makes the, sense. The, uh, the icon itself, yes, it's got a friendly component to it, but does it have the right enterprise premium flair to it, especially when you're selling to the C-level and our average deal size is about $100,000? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there, there are issues there. The second piece is it has never been refreshed. And we're at a point in time where we're changing the trajectory of the company with this much broader value proposition than just the way you used to think about App Annie. So it was a natural transition and I was very passionate that we need to do it. We more affectionately like to think of it as a gem. Ah, okay, okay, okay It's a gem okay. and I think it's that- a softer word. Yeah, yeah but I, we, it's got more to it than, more artistic quality than just calling it a diamond. Okay. There's times you can look at it and it looks like a gem and there's other times it looks like an open box by okay. design. Okay. Depending on if we're using the colored version or the black and white version. Is it connected it's, with the gamers? It, it, there's a level up element of gaming that we okay. used in the gem aspect. Okay. There's also a unit of data in terms of the box and the dimension and depending on how you're looking at it. And then with the color highlighted like you're talking about, it's like a hotspot. Could that be an opportunity okay. to, to dive into? All of that was framed with a great deal of deliberation to come up with that logo. For sure. The other thing that I like about it, it's a logo mark that's unique. And it's something that can identify us without the name itself. 
we A-B tested this like crazy because we've been around okay. a, a long while. We want to make sure we get it right. Yeah. We had 80% affinity across the board for this new logo, including uh -huh. our customers. Wow. Globally, with a big sample size. That's and amazing. I've heard very little negative, only upside in terms of this release. So when you get these things, look at Slack. When they changed their logo, yeah. that didn't go so great. Yeah. And so I feel really proud that we developed this logo with our own intellectual property as well. It's all in-house. Definitely, clearly a much better fit for an enterprise-grade right. yeah. uh, company with high-tech, massive investments in, in, in uh, cutting-edge technology. So coming back to your good self, Ted, living such a hectic life, I mean, you're running the company and you're running around here, which, you know, I know how tiring that can be. Uh, you know, uh, how do you keep mind and body together? How do you stay healthy? I'm a huge, I've done a lot of martial arts over the years. I'm a huge believer in physical, mental, spiritual, and kind of being three-dimensional at all times. So no matter what it takes, everyone that knows me knows this as well. I'll work out almost every day. Wow. If I don't get my workout in a particular day, it's very rare. It, it's something that I really need to disengage and get physical yeah. that allows me to also think more creatively. I do a lot of my work inside my head in terms of strategy and considerations when I'm in the gym that I wouldn't normally do if I'm just running from meeting to meeting. Is that so, a form of meditation for you? I do meditation separately. Okay. I started Headspace. I grew up doing martial arts, so I've always been a little bit intrigued by that. I've gotten to a point where I am more self-aware of that and I'll work on it, but it's like 10 minutes a day. I'm not like you know, the Twitter CEO and able to do it for whatever it is, 90 minutes every morning. I'm, I'm not built that way, but I'll try to block you know, 10 minutes sure. and do that every day, and it's really helpful. Okay. My whole philosophy on meditation has changed as a result of Headspace because they've mainstreamed it. The meditations, I used to think of it as just blocking that 10 minutes and trying to like get all the thoughts, fighting them out of your head. And then there's a point where you're more enlightened and you say, no, the philosophy is to get to that calm perspective and then apply it in the everyday world. Yeah. That's very beautiful to me in terms of finding a way to get to that next level and really stay tuned to that meditative state of just like letting things happen and not react. Yeah, and, and I guess when you're emptying your mind, and I am guessing uh, when you're meditating, uh, that's more just a complete dissociation, whereas your ideas, you think you're saying, come in the gym. They do. Because you're just focusing on something repetitive that you know automatically. In particular, you, swimming. Okay. Because I don't swim with music, so I'm swimming and I'm thinking the whole time. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that's when your ideas come to you. Yes, or on the bike. I'll be texting the people in the office. Uh, I used to time trial. Yeah. I, I used to time trial on the bike. I, yeah. love, I love the bike. Um, so, uh, what's the one personal quality if you were to pick one um, that you feel you know has helped you succeed over the years? Um, is there something that you could actually see in yourself that is common to the period when you were in that kind of, you know, in that in that battle stage in in, in sales roles, and then in a more kind of leadership yeah. and, and uh, role in sales, and then moving into the C-suite and all of that. Mm -hmm. Is there is there one internal quality that you feel you have that has helped you uh, continue to succeed as you've moved into those roles? I've gotten away with great qualities in terms of public face, presenting the stage, the presence, all of that is something that I think I do organically really well. But I think what differentiates me, there's a lot of people that do that well. What makes me unique, 
I think is being a coach. Okay. I'm motivated by coaching. I push and I challenge and I develop people. And I develop people that want to be developed. If I have someone on my team that I feel like has hit their career arc and they feel like they've got great game and they don't have a lot of tuning to do, I don't invest much. Okay. But where I will invest is on people that I think have great potential, that are high quality people, and I want to see them thrive. And more of my career, especially at this stage, is that motivation. It's watching them shine. I've had my time. And have you found, um, as you've moved kind of from company to company, that people have come with you sometimes? Yeah, I've always had a, a following that way for sure. And I've also inherited people that may have been ready to walk out the door that are ready to stay with me for the long run too. So I take pride in both of those. Is there anything you'd like to be better at? There's a lot of things I'd like to be better at. Is there at. anything in particular? Consistent feedback would say I could probably be a little more patient. I think that's a, that's a consistent trend. Uh, for the for the team that that works for me, they're not smiling, don't worry. Yeah, no, they're, 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 they're actually in the room with us laughing at the moment because they know how true that is. So I do have a, a tendency to set the expectation just slightly higher than is probably doable. Okay, right. So there's always that element of managing my expectation that it's going to take a little bit more time and. So yeah, those are some things that I know I could do better. So three of Ted's senior team are in the room here, <laughs> yeah. and they're having a little giggle yeah. as he's saying all of that. Uh, what are you most proud of in your life so far? That's always a tough one because you. Got That's a real in my life in general. Yeah, if you if you make it that broad, it's outside of work. It's my daughter. Okay. My good. daughter's a rock star. Good. Straight A student. She works for Goldman Sachs. She's been my hero. Her life is so buttoned up. I wasn't like that. It took me a while to work out the kinks and, and grow up. She's just, you know, been so steadfast and hungry from an academic perspective and now career perspective. It's yeah. simply admirable to That's watch. fantastic to hear that. Um, if you were to give a little piece of advice for somebody who wanted to work their way up through the SaaS ranks or through the technology ranks. In today's world. In, in today's world, into mm -hmm. A C-level role into a, into a major leadership role, and they're entering it. Uh, let's say uh, early days. What's the one or two things you might impart to that person? Keep your head down and get it done. There's too much of a tendency today to self-promote, to push, and ask for the constant, you know, next level. And I think you have to. There's a mix of make it happen and let it happen. Okay. If I look back at my career that you need to have. Early on in my sales career, I was motivated by one simple thing, fear of failure. I went out on my own, I paid for my college, I was motivated by failure. Sure. I'm not gonna fail. And there's a point where it starts to kick in, and it was probably around PeopleSoft, where I'm like, no, I, I know I'm good at this. And now it's about maximizing this. And that let it happen starts to prevail over make it happen, and I think that's when my career really took off. If I could break it down, that's a fundamental that I'd, I'd like to impart on others. And the, the last thing, too, is getting to the C-suite, I think, happens almost in an indirect way. You, it, you will simply lift. Once you get to a level two manager, your career after that kind of organically plays out. Uh -huh. But for me, it's from individual contributor to first level manager. There's a big gate there. Sure. And then between first and second level, those are the two big hurdles. So if you can make it over that and you get to second level, you got a chance at some yeah. point in time. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got to round yourself out. And I do think you have to learn how to 
balance strategy and execution all the time. I see that even today at the C-suite, internally at our company at other places. Sometimes executives, even at the highest levels, they have a very difficult time balancing execution and strategy. I relentlessly push my team with strategic programs to the point that they just want to throw up on me. It's like, it's too much, it's too much. I'm like, no, you got to balance both. Yeah, yeah. And so I think executives that can organically pull off balancing execution and strategy, try to you know, balance that time equation as much as you can, are going to be the ones that rise to the top. Thank you very much, Ted Grants, for giving me 14 minutes of SAS and a lot more by the looks of the time clock there. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. It was fun. Thanks so much. Thanks a million. And in the next episode, 118 of 14 Minutes of SAS, we'll have the first of two episodes with Minnesota's Bill Magnuson, CEO and co-founder of Braze, a hyper-growth customer engagement platform. Like App Annie, Braze also passed the 100 million ARR, or annual recurring revenue line last year. And again, mobile data is a major focus. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills, to Ketsu for the music, and to Anders Getz for the transcript. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and of course, give the show a rating.